All right. Hey, uh, this is episode 34 of the Apex Vaulting Podcast, and uh, we have a guest from all the way back from the zero episode, Lily Brown. Um, What we want to talk about today... I've been getting a lot of interesting feedback from some posts that I've been putting on social media. One of the things that I've kind of been talking about is like, you know, summertime, a lot of people want to just take the summer off. And uh, just to be clear, I am uh, not against rest, okay? Uh, Some people think that maybe I don't think about rest or recovery for my athletes. Like, obviously, we have rest rest days, and we definitely space out our long approach days or our heavy lift days. Like, we don't do anything like back-to-back days, like stuff like that. Rest and recovery is obviously super important, but I do think there's this fallacy uh, or this incorrect thinking that, you know, you should take, you know, the whole summer off or take a whole month off. And I don't know, like, you're not going to get a lot better if you take a month off like you you have to be constantly training if if you want to make uh progress you know um obviously that's different for everybody at different levels like maybe an elite vaulter who just came off of winning the olympics would like to have some downtime like that's a life choice uh but obviously you're not getting better if you take two three months off right well i think that there's a very big difference between rest and then a productive recovery if you have something that either causes damage, whether it's significant or not as bad. I think regardless, you need to work on whatever the weakness is so that you can be productive and move forwards after it instead of taking three steps backward. Well, yeah, and and Lily, like the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast because I wanted you to talk about your personal experience. Like just so for everybody who's listening, Lily Brown uh, just graduated high school. Uh, She jumped 11.7 while she was in high school. She's all of five foot one, 115 pounds. Um, definitely, I think, you know, as we talk, you're going to discover that strength and conditioning has been an important part of her career. But one of the things that's really, really important, and again, we can kind of talk about rest and addressing weaknesses. Um, you know, you had to deal with a back injury. What, what happened in your junior year? Cause you ended up getting an MRI. Like what, what was wrong with your back? So my junior year, the day that I, I had always had back pain, but one day in particular, the day that I actually jumped 11, six, I PR'd. Um, and I qualified for indoor nationals. So that day, uh, I had also uh, gotten sprains in between my discs. So I sprained the ligaments in between multiple discs in my lower back. Um, and then I had some other little things going on. But that main component to it, the thing is, we waited before I got an MRI. So I actually didn't know what happened to me for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and we pushed through it. And by the end of my indoor season, I could hardly run down the runway um but then once we once the season was over we decided to continue my training but take a step back look at what was really going on and then move on from there right i mean like look there's uh multiple things going on here i mean one i think you know that the way lily is built you know what i mean just your your body type you know and the years of gymnastics. Yeah, um, definitely. With, and look, I'm not trying to knock gymnastics, but I think a lot of times, you know, they put uh, athletes through skills and uh, 
different um it's just called skills right yeah yeah, like yeah. i mean it's like, just it's, i want to say tricks but that's right not no but no term. yeah no you it, you build up it's a, it's a build up of right. skills but there's right. no there's no break there's well, no and, yeah there's no mercy so, there either. right talk about not having rest i think a lot of times in the gymnastics world there is no rest no you're you five know? days a week 20 um, hours a week yeah no... and so the thing is with gymnastics like you're just you just keep going and then they're they're not addressing like the physical weaknesses enough through strength and conditioning no, everybody does the same conditioning. Everybody does the same the same uh, progression. There's no individual. Right. And so the thing is, it's like, you know, and even like we talk about, you know, in track, you know, to run, you have to have your hips up. Well, a lot of gymnasts tend to tilt their well, hips Well, we down. nosedive into yeah. it when and we're so on you, floor. You have a really yeah. arched back, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like just after all of that and then now, you know, pole vaulting and that day she jumped 11.6, you know, again – at the time, she probably only weighed 110 pounds. She jumped on a 12 foot 140, so she's on a pole way above, you know, her body weight. Um, and she ha- she has a little bit of a flat takeoff still today. It's better, but she was very very oh, well, flat. Well, yeah, I back got then. no, I got smacked. I was yeah. still I was dropping the pole way too way too early and. Yeah. I ran right into it. Right. And so she took a hit, you know, so they, there's a lot of combination of things happening there. But she got hurt. But the thing is. You know, what we didn't do is we didn't just say, hey, you know, take two months fully off, you know, because if you take two months fully off, uh, one, those ligaments are not necessarily going to get stronger in the, right. those two months and the muscles surrounding it that support it, they're not they're getting any get stronger. Weak. They're going to get either. weaker. Yeah. And everything else will get weaker as well. Right. And now, so once that injury happened, now prior to the injury, you know, Lily was doing a lot of box squats. Uh, she would even deadlift. Now, afterwards, we we made some modifications. What were some of the things that we kind of turned to? Well, the thing is, I would say definitely something that contributed to my injury as well is that with my lifts, I loved the numbers, I loved PRing, and I didn't care about how I felt during it. I squatted 235 for six. I didn't tell Bronco, but I was in a lot of pain doing it, but I didn't care because I loved the numbers. I I was having too much fun with it, um, and I got carried away. And then bench as well. I arched my back way too much, and my form was not what it should have been, and I was in pain. But I just kind of got distracted by the numbers and forgot that I was lifting for pole vault, not lifting to to power lift. Um, So then after the injury, for... Uh, for my quads, like for, if, to replace the box squat, I would say we did. We started doing belt squat a little later on. Yeah. But initially, um, I did. What are those? Those bridges? Like those? The remember, glute I, I put the yeah, yeah. the glute bridges. Yeah. I would I would put the bar across my waist and and yeah. um, load it up. I did that for for my glutes. Um, we also started doing a lot of sleds. Yeah, we, we definitely. We put in a lot of sled work. And look, when we talk about sleds, I think you know people do them a lot of different ways. The the way that we tend to do them, we're not like sprinting with a sled. You know, instead, what you do is you put a belt around your hip, or you can you know uh, have a harness around your hands. There's all kinds of different ways to hold the belt or hold, hold the the strap that's attached to the sled. But we do deliberate walks. So it's a nice slow walk. It's consistent. It's a good way to like really, really like address the hamstrings mm-hmm. and the glutes, mm-hmm. which are super, super important for running fast and for jumping up. Because I think one thing that Lily realized, especially because 
once she got hurt after she jumped 11.6, we did back off the lifting a lot. Oh, my God. And her grips, her pulls, and her runway speed, her mid-marks all went down. A lot. You know? a lot. So it's like, you know, she still managed an 11-foot jump, I, I think, at state groups. I, I forget what yeah, happened at state yeah. champs. I feel like we might have. Did we miss 11? I no, mean, I think I think me and Champs, I yeah. got eleven, and then yeah. I almost had eleven six, but it's just yeah. But it's wasn't like, quite but there. yeah, but the the grips and pulls weren't there, so it's like we were kind of squeezing that out. Whereas like the day she jumped eleven six, like she actually almost jumped twelve. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that was a big you know day. we we had to you know we had to go back to like doing something to keep those body parts strong. You know, right? And I mean, it was definitely a progression though because at after the injury initially and then that month after I think was when I lost the most and mm-hmm. at my county meet I was barely able to jump 10 like I squeezed out 10 it's not easy and right. then by groups and state meet champs I was actually able to to get a little closer well, to where I was well, so. right right and and look I mean I think there's you know, again, we're, we're going through this very, very quickly, and I want everybody to understand the process that we went through. Um, another exercise that I want to throw in before I continue with, like, what went on outdoors, um, reverse hyper. You know, I have a reverse hyper at the gym. If you guys don't know what that is, it's it kind of looks like a, a table. You lay stomach on your stomach. You lay on your stomach on across this table. You grab these handles, and then your legs are attached to a strap. And that, and there's it swings. There's this pendulum swing that you do with your legs. On the way down, it pulls at your vertebrae. It gives you traction. And on the way back up, you use your lower back muscles to pull it back up. So it strengthens the lower back muscles. While on the bottom swing down part, it's it's providing traction for your spine. And that's how regenerative fluid gets shot into your your discs, which is super super. And that's the only way that the ligaments could have healed for me because there's not a lot of blood flow there to begin with. So I was like, we had to do everything we could to try. That's something that people need to understand. There's no blood flow. (laughs) No, but with with tendons and and ligaments, there's not blood flow. So that's why when you in those tendons and ligaments, the reason it takes a lot longer to heal than a regular muscle is there's no blood flow. So you have to do things like traction so that you can get regenerative fluid that gets shot in there to, to help restore those areas. And then also with the reverse hyper two, something that helped me a lot was I did more abs last year than I have ever done in my life. Um, because I, or I thought I had pretty strong abs. I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But then yeah. when I hurt my back, um, I, I realized like, no, like your lower abs, that, that all wraps around your lower back as well. That I was doing like PT ab workouts. And then I was doing like a Pilates ab workout. I was doing that like at least three times a week. And I had a lot of variation as well. And I think that that contributed to helping my back a lot too because you have to brace your abs in every lift that you do and I think that I wasn't doing that either. Well, even I think some, what sometimes people don't realize is like even running wise, you know, even if honestly if you're a distance runner, 400 meter runner, 100 meter runner, you know, your core has to keep your hips up. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about that, that hip up position, mm-hmm. right? Cause anytime your hips tilt forward, like I always tell people, imagine every athlete that you're working with, or if you're an athlete, imagine yourself wearing a belt at all times, right? Like a belt around your waist. If that belt is parallel to the ground, awesome. You can now engage your glutes right. so you can add more, more power to, to your running or your jumping, right? If that belt now starts to get more perpendicular, you know what I mean? It's not perfectly parallel. 
you literally are shutting off your glutes. Yeah, you're losing. You can't, you're losing you can't engage your glutes. Well, now if your core isn't strong, meaning you know hip flexors, all the ab muscles, your lower back muscles, if all that area isn't strong, there's no way there's no that you're going <clears> to <throat> hold your hips up to parallel. So even if you're, let's say, that 400-meter runner, you want to know why your 400-meter runner is really, really dying at the end? Part of it might be VO2 max, you know, but the other thing is they might have a weak core. And I, you know, here at Apex, you know, for us, it's like, we're like, duh, you have to do this. But you need to do leg lifts. If you are not doing leg lifts, that is a huge issue. Oh, well, the thing is, I know, you know, I would be in the weight room at school, which my coaches hated. My, my, My coaches did not like the fact that I was training through an injury. My coaches wanted me to drop everything and completely stop. Um, but I was really stubborn about it, and I had the support of Bronco helping me to supplement all the lifts that I was doing before with new things. Um, but I would be in the weight room, and any time at, at my school when I would do leg lifts, all all those football players that are squatting like ridiculous amounts of weight, all those football players that have super fast fifty yard dashes, they can't even do a leg lift. They have no they have no sense right. of, of and, using their core. And and this is where it's like, you know, you going back to like talking about the main lifts even, right? It's like, look, obviously like some squat variation, some deadlift variation is huge. I think you, people should be doing those. But if you don't have a strong core, you're not going to be getting the numbers that you want to hit. I mean, I, it was funny. I follow JL Holdsworth. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a world-class power lifter in his day. He owns several gyms now. It's called Spot Athletics. They're in Ohio. Um, JL's a big dude. <laughs> like he might even be 300 pounds right now. Okay. And it was so funny. He posted a video where he was doing some seminar and he was talking. And, you know, there's this one dude. He's doing these perfect leg lifts. Awesome. Yeah. Another dude is struggling just to get his legs to parallel. Right. And then here's this massive 300-pound guy. Perfect leg lifts. You know what I mean? So it's like... and there's that's something to be said Yeah. So it's like engaging that, your the, core. Yeah. There's a reason that dude was able to... I don't know if he hit a 1,000-pound squat, but if not, he was really close. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a reason he was able to do that. And so I think a lot of people neglect, you know, working the, the, the abs, the hip flexors, the lower back because it's like, oh, well, my numbers are good enough. Right. Well, here's my thing, and, you know, and Lily knows this. I have like little girls in my pole vaulting club and yeah. you know, look, I have guys that have hit impressive numbers and I should talk more about them. Like Calvin Gould is single leg squatted over 315. I think he may have hit 330. Calvin Hartman did the same. You know, I have guys that have done 135 pound pull-ups. Like we definitely have impressive numbers on the guy side. It's just, I feel like mo- like most pole vaulting clubs, there's like a bigger female demographic. Oh yeah. But I have a bunch of like little girls that are hitting crazy numbers. Like Amanda Katz this year, she's five foot 215 pounds. She deadlifted 305. Yeah, ridiculous. You know, like that's, that's mm-hmm. crazy. But she deadlifted 305 and wasn't hurt after it. That's yeah, also right. the thing. Yeah, her, like, her, yeah, form, her form yeah. and her core, it's it's outstanding, and that's why she's able to do what she does. Right, and it looks easy. Like if you watch the lifts, and I have them all on my Instagram, you can you could dig through and find them. You know, it's it looked easy. I think honestly, I think she could have probably done 330. Right. But um, but point being is, if you don't have you know a strong core. You know, you can't do that stuff. So you ha- you have to constantly be addressing this stuff. Absolutely. And uh, again, the reason I wanted to have Lily, you know, on the podcast and talk about this is because she was an interesting case. You know, she n- she did not have 
a normal, I would even say normal back. Like she had these stretched out ligaments that were not stabilizing her vertebrae. And in fact, you know, even one of the PT people you were seeing was recommending for you to not do outdoor track. You oh know? yeah. And the thing, mm-hmm. and here's the thing, you know, again, and I, I just, you know, did a podcast last night too with someone as a coach, you can't make a kid do anything. Like if Lily wanted to rest, I was going to let her rest. I'm not yeah. going to make her do anything, but she wanted to compete. And so you know what? It's my job as a coach to help her do that. And the thing know? is also what's what, when I look back on it, I, I held a grudge against this injury for a really long time. But when I look back on it, we weren't jumping in practice either. We didn't even mention that. Right. I wasn't jumping in practice at all. Right. And then I mean, we would were... go to meets, and that's where I would jump. That was my own. That was my only chance because we real. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I went at the peak of this injury. I had to quit the job that I was working because I couldn't stand for more than like 15 minutes. Um, in school, sitting down, I would get up maybe every 10 minutes and walk around just because every position that I was in would become uncomfortable so fast. Um, so we had yeah. to do we had to do things to strengthen the the muscles around my right. vertebrae so that I could have that support that I needed. And and look, uh, a credit to like Lily, and I I feel very lucky that I get to work with a lot of athletes that are like Lily in that even though she couldn't, you know, jump, she wanted to come in and do pole drops, you know, do, do some running drills. Oh, even if I was here for a half hour, I was here. You know, it's like she wanted to get in what she could and then she knew she needed to put in the strength work, you know, and, and actually the, the picture I'm going to post that kind of goes along with this podcast, you know, is if you don't address your weaknesses, they will become injuries. Now, she was actually at a point where, you know, because of some certain, you know, predispositions in her back, she was experiencing this back pain. So we had to really figure out other ways to train her. Yeah. Like we took box squats out. We took deadlifts out. You know, we went to belt squats. You know, we went to maybe single leg squats with dumbbells. Yeah. You know, we did sled pulls. We did, we did reverse hypers. And you know, what's really interesting too is when you get creative as a coach. And even for me, it's like, I kind of see every experience as a learning experience for me. So when you went through that, that was a learning experience for me. Like, okay, what do I do when someone can't do the normal? Right. You know, I think we picked up a lot of new workouts because of it. Right. A lot of more productive workouts. And and even people, people who don't have injured backs now do some of the things that you did as auxiliary workouts or just some way to differentiate, you know? So it's like, that's the thing. And it's like, the, the other thing I want to bring up is I think if you took all of outdoors off, I can't imagine what would have happened this year. I, oh, I don't yeah. think you would have had a good year. You know, I think, you know, that was important that we were able to work through that. Like, here's my thing. If you just took three months off, we would have just been starting from that point, except you would have been weaker. Yeah. You would have yeah. been starting we from been weaker starting point from and starting from scratch <clears throat> later, yeah. three months later down the road. And then I also think for me just mentally it's like when I first hurt my back I had a little bit of an identity crisis because you know I was like I'm a pole vaulter what am I gonna do now like I was like people are telling me that I you know the one guy that I was going to wanted me to get like a a PRP which is like a blood uh you take blood from another area and then put it in I was like what um and this was just all just very weird to me that I had an actual injury because I've always just had pain I never had anything that was actually you know, it, uh, there was no term for what I had before, but now right. I actually had an injury. So I think that if I took that spring off too, I, 
me personally, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like I had, there was no question of whether I wanted to compete. It was like, we were doing it and we were training through it and that's how it was going to be. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think, you know, your, your temperament, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Lily definitely is like a go getter. She's very aggressive, you know, and you know, she'll walk into practice and she'll be like, uh, my legs are getting small. We need to do something, you know? And it's like, yeah, and, yeah. and so she's really, really aware. And well, yeah, I was very in tune with it, with what was going on with my body. Like I knew that even though we were trying to compensate, there was still some loss, but it was right. definitely not, if I had stopped completely for three months, oh my God, me being, being five, one, being 115 pounds, not well, having a naturally athletic build, well, I, I, things, things would have been I lost. think, you know, let's, let's talk about the alternative. I think if you would, would have just taken time off, yeah, you were, you were five one, and I tell people all the time, like lifting made you 115 pounds. And I think, oh, yeah. and I think here's the thing: if you took the time off, you might have went back down to like 105. You know, yeah. and this is also something that I think is a misconception in pole vaulting. Everybody's like, well, we don't want to lift because we'll get big and bulky. But the thing is, like, Lily probably put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle through lifting, yeah. which helped her get on the poles that she got on. I mean, even this year, and I really like. You know, I, and I hate to say this, but I really felt like Lily could have jumped 12 this year. And at the end, we kind of just, I, th- I feel like we ran out of time. Yeah. But it's like she, for the first time in her life, was starting to jump on 13-foot poles. Because she cleared 11.6 with 11.3 grip. We went 11.7 with 11.7 grip. And, you know, we actually had state groups, which, I mean, I just feel like it was a really hot day. And, you know, I had a, a conversation with Lily <laughs> after the competition yeah. that... Because it was hot, she just wasn't warming up enough yeah, no, for the first I assume, Yeah, no, I assume that because we, I was sweating. We had 11, 9, 12-foot grip on a 13, 20, 25. And it felt good, you know? which is yeah, surprising. Yeah, it was easy, yeah. you know. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, her her putting on that 15 pounds of muscle is what enabled her to get on those poles. If you think of Lily Brown as five foot 105 pounds, no lifting, let's just do body weight. I mean, she would have been lucky to be on a 1220, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and so, so that's, that's the thing that I think people have a misconception of. And, you know, and I don't want to name names, but I was showing pictures the other day. I got, I, I'll show you the pictures yeah, after yeah. the podcast, but it's like, I was looking at pictures of two UFC fighters. Mm-hmm. They were uh, not heavyweights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you're out of the heavyweights, what becomes super important in fighting is power to weight ratio, right? right? Like you don't want to be carrying extra weight that is not useful. Well, I think also it's like, yeah, there's a difference between when you're lifting and you're bulking up. And then when you're, when you're lean, like we're we're all at apex, we're all very lean because we're not, we're not eating three pies of pizza after we're lifting. (laughs) But here's the thing. So those UFC fighters, they look ripped, shredded, right? And then I have a picture of uh, a couple elite vaulters and man, like, listen, I didn't even say it. Somebody else was like, wow, that guy looks like he has a dad bod. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, you know, that, that says a lot about our sport. I think people are afraid of things happening in the weight room. Well, and I, there are also a lot of people that could get away with their natural athletic ability and sure. they're, they're lucky to be blessed with dad bods that can do what they do, you know? R- right, right. I mean, look, I, I use the example all the time. You know, um, I, I still coach Craig Van Leeuwen. He, he's 30 now. Um, but you know, he jumped 17, eight and a half, um, a few years ago, uh, it was the year after he, he finished college. Um, he was a division three national champion. He's six foot four, 185 pounds. And he's a quick guy. You yeah. know, I mean, I mm-hmm. think he ran like sub 11 in the four by one for Ramapo college. And guys, I am not exaggerating. He did that without weight training. 
Yeah. He did that without doing sprint workouts all the time. He just did that. The, yeah. The he ability was, is he there was, He was capable of that. Right. And actually, unlike a lot of other people, like with Craig, he was never more than a grip down and five or ten pounds down of his competition pulls in practice because he wasn't really training hard. There was no physical peaking. You know, he just right. always did what was he was capable same, yeah. of. Whereas, like, everybody else who trains really, really hard. And, you know, again, Craig was jumping at a time where we didn't have access to weight equipment. I just kind of jumped outside at West Milford, so I'm not trying to knock Craig, but I'm just using him as the example so that people can really see this. Whereas like everybody else at the club, especially now, it's like because everybody is heavily involved in weight training, man, we will go to meets and hit 20, sometimes 30 pounds above practice poles, you know? And, and so it's like, that's part of the process. When you lift, you can actually physically peak and over produce. You're not going to do what you do naturally. You're going to do above what's natural uh, performance. I mean, I had a sophomore boy this year, uh, Owen Fogarty, who, yeah, he's a monster. Okay. Relax. (laughs) Not a monster. He's like this little guy. I know, but But, he's done a lot. He did a lot in a year. Well, he did a lot. Well, here's the thing. It's so funny. He finished his freshman year with an 11 foot vault and he finished indoor at 12, six. Now some of this also, again, he's a boy. So he's going through puberty. Mm -hmm. He's just naturally growing, but he is weight training. You know, he's weight training. I don't know his numbers off the top of my head, but I'm, I know his deadlift has to be somewhere around 300 pounds, you know, and he probably weighs like 135, 140. Right. Yeah, he's not. And so he, he went from 12, six indoors on a 13, seven, 160 gripping like 12, six, 12, nine. Mm-hmm. To outdoors, he ended up jumping on a 14-170, gripping 13-3. He cleared 14, and we, we actually passed the 15. He almost made that. But, you know, it's like that's that's the training is part of that. It's not all just pole ball. And so, again, you know, the reason Lily's on this podcast and what I'm trying to get the idea out there is like, look, like – I know there's a lot of vaulters out there that will be like, hey, I have a bad shoulder or, hey, I have a bad back. And what everybody tends to tell all these people is just just rest. Yeah. Just rest. Yeah. Well, muscles don't get stronger with just rest. Like if you think that just taking a month off, like, yeah, you may not be in pain anymore, but one, when you come back to vaulting, you're going to be on small Oh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to get back to it. Here's the thing. You jumped on a twelve forty and that was it. That's what hurt your back. Yeah. This this indoors, you jumped on a twelve seven, thirty-five and forty, which is already five and ten pounds stiffer than a twelve forty, and then a thirteen one twenty-five, which converts to a twelve forty-five. Right. So you jumped on poles that were bigger and you had no pain. And I yeah, and I don't think that I would have done that if, if we skipped the, that three months of a season because yeah. it, because my back would have taken that amount of time to heal. My back would my t- back took a very very long time to heal, um, but we worked through it. And any time there was a problem, we we found a way to make it work. We found a new workout to compensate or a new and, exercise. Yeah, there yeah. was there was always. We were always able to find a solution for it. And I think that for me, especially for me personally and just emotionally, I needed to compete through that season to prepare me for this year as well. And then yeah. also it was amazing. I had, I haven't experienced having no back pain competing in uh, probably since my freshman year when I was, when I was barely doing, you know, when I was doing or, the minimum, when I wasn't even, even gymnastics, right? Like, Oh my God. I always had, I was in and out of chiropractors my entire life. Um, right. And, th- and this year 
you didn't have to go to PT. Oh no, I never went to PT. I, I, you know, I, I did PT for a little while, but that was before we even found out what was truly wrong. And then once we knew it was wrong, we were like, Oh, we have to do this on our own because anybody else is going to tell me to stop. Anybody else is going to tell me to do some crazy shit that I don't want to do. Like, and, and look, I also want to be clear. Obviously you should consult medical experts like pole vault coaches are not doctors. Yeah. No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I know. I'm not knocking. Um, You, you you definitely have to consider, you know, medical advice. Um, but using that medical advice and then using the tools at hand to strengthen her back, you know, Lily didn't have to go to physical therapy this year. And honestly, she's jumped. And I remember her complaining at one (laughs) practice this year. She's like, Oh my God, I, I need to jump more. And I'm like, Lily, you've literally never jumped more in your life. Yeah. Like we've, we have rarely skipped a jump day this year because of back pain. If anything, yeah. we've skipped days. Cause I'm like, Hey, you had a big day the other day. Let's just, you know, let's not overdo it yeah. or you need some rest. Oh my God. Bronco said you need rest, <laughs> um, but you know, that that's the thing. It's like by, by finding things to strengthen her back, you know, we, we were able to continue having her make progress. And that's really, really important to me. Cause I think you know, this event is so awesome. And I think this, this event of pole vault can be so popular, but where we lose people is when they stop making progress. You know, like if you, like I, and I know Lily really well now, you know, I've coached her since eighth grade. Um, (laughs) if she felt like she couldn't jump any higher, she wouldn't be doing this. Like she's very, very competitive. And so it's like, she wants to know that she can continue to make progress. And I think what happens in the vault, you know, it's a fun event. Everybody enjoys it. I think, look, even if you're just doing drills, like even if you're just jumping from a three, it's fun, man. You oh, jump, yeah. you're no, wrapping a bungee and yeah. you know, landing on the mats and you know, you can get pumped well, it's up. It's unique too. It's not right. your, it's not your average. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, not, you're flying through yeah. the air. Yeah. But Here's the thing. At some point, if somebody no longer thinks they can make progress, if you can no longer tinker with the skills that they're learning in the pole vault, or you can no longer tinker with the training, and your only advice to your vaulter every time they get upset is, hey, just take a month off. You just you need to clear your mind. No. No. You, you need to find a way for that person to continue to make progress. You need to keep them well, you need to back. You need to fire them like, up so that no, they want to yeah, keep going. No, no other sport. Actually, nothing else in life will people just be like, ah, just don't come back. Yeah. Like if an employee is having a tough time at work, yeah, maybe you give them a day off. Yeah. But then it's like you need to figure out how that employee can function happily yeah. in the mm-hmm. workforce, you know? Or like, you know, it's like you want to be a successful football player? Uh, probably don't take three months <sighs> yeah, off. Yeah, definitely not. Because while you're taking three months off. There the, are other people rookie, that are grinding. Yeah, yeah, the rookie is working his butt <laughs> off and he's going to come back and, and take your spot in training camp. Yeah. So, you know, you you have to you have to figure it out and make it work. I mean, you know, I always look now sometimes to other sports. Like I look at stuff like mixed martial arts. Like it is just understood in mixed martial arts. You come in year round. You don't have to. Obviously, there's people that do it recreationally. Maybe they do it mm. as spotty here and there. Right. But what I'm saying is, like, if you it, you have to feel the, the you need to feel that you can continue to make progress. Well, it's that intrinsic. It's that intrinsic motivation. It's right. like it has that to keeps, come from that keeps you going. You have to be aware that if you stop, there are other people that are going to keep going, and and you're going to fall behind. Well, and and let's let's mention this because I think this is a great story and. You know, I think it's important. I think another thing in pole vault, 
and I know me and Louie have talked about this, I think a lot of people try to avoid the talk about competition. I understand. And we all want to be friends. Yeah. We all, all want to be friends. Yeah. Right. And, and listen, I think you could be friends with your competitors. You know, I've had Mike Lorick on the podcast. I, you know, I, I am so grateful for Mike Lorick. Like, I learned a lot from Mike Lorick. I consider him a friend. Right. I'm pretty sure Mike would say the same thing that I'm about to say. When we are at meets and we have comparable athletes... We both want to beat each other's brains yeah, out, you know, yeah. metaphorically, obviously. Right, right, you know? right, right. Like, right. I want my athlete to win, he wants his yeah, athlete to win, you know? Right. It, it's like, heck, it's like, you may not want to lose to an enemy, but you definitely don't want to lose to your brother, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think competition is real, and I think a lot of people try to avoid the competition talk right. and just be like, let's hold hands, let's, let's be friends. And yeah. I think there's no better story than, you know, this year... You know, Lily was having a practice on Christmas Eve. Uh, that's oh, how yeah. dedicated we are here. <laughs> it was Christmas Eve, and we had a big group. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just pumps me up. I, I'm just so proud of everyone that I get to coach that they are like, Christmas Eve, dude, it's winter track. I got yeah. to come in for practice. And, you know, things were just happening training-wise that I could notice, and, and some of Lily's numbers were, were kind of dropping. And, listen, she's been training with Sydney Shannon for how many years now? Four? Four. I think four yeah. years, right? Yeah. So Sydney Shannon is at the club, too. She's also five foot one. you know. Um, she weighs also, like, 115 pounds. Uh, Sydney's PR is 11 now. And um, at the time... At the time, I think Sydney's PR was only 10. Yeah. And we're having Christmas Eve practice, and I pull Lily aside. Because here's the thing. I think in this scenario, a lot of other coaches, when they notice that, like, maybe one of their top kids is going to get passed up, they yeah. don't talk about it. Mm-mm. And then they try to get you to take a picture and hold hands and be like, oh, aren't you happy for Sydney? She just PR'd, Lily. Yeah. I know you uh-huh. just had a bad day and you lost, but it's okay. Yeah. Let's take a picture. Yeah. No, I pulled Lily aside. I said, hey, come look at Sydney jump. I said, you see that? I go, that's going to beat you in a month. Yeah, and I knew. I knew. Yeah, I knew was, he was right. This was not a, a friendly talk to. No. Mm-hmm. But I knew that if I didn't tell her on Christmas Eve and I waited for Passaic County Championships to happen a month and a half later, that would have been way worse. Yeah. That's, that's a moment where maybe Lily's so frustrated she quits the sport. Like, I, because I've seen it. I, guys, you have to be good at pattern recognition. Right. And I'm telling you, I've been through it too, all too often. You know, like, I could definitely see that Lily could get so frustrated after losing counties if I hadn't talked to her prior and let her know what was going on with her training and how she needed to step up her intensity that she could have just walked away from the sport because she wouldn't have known why she got passed up. Right. And that that was really important. And, you know, interestingly enough, like the beginning of the season, she had a couple rough meets. She had a meet where she only jumped 10-6 and barely. Like, and it didn't look like there was Mm -hmm. anything there. By the time we got to counties, Lily was in a much better spot. She ended up losing on attempts to Sydney. So, I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm a fortune teller, but... No, I I know. He said it. He said it. But here's the thing. She looked a lot better, and a week later, she PR, jumped 11-7, you know, and had really good attempts at 12. No, because he was honest with me and told me exactly what was going to happen. Like, I might have cried for three days after that. But, uh, great Christmas, I know. But, uh, <laughs> but um, no, because of that honesty, I kicked it into gear. I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I, I got I got to step it up. Um, so I did. And then also, that also says, at counties, I love Sydney, great friend of mine. We have a lot of fun training together, a lot of fun lifting together. Um, but counties indoor, you know, I was being her friend. I was nice. I was cheering for her. Counties outdoor, 
let me tell you, after losing to her on attempts, County's outdoor. I didn't even make eye contact with her. I don't think once. And it wasn't in. A, it wasn't in. A, I wasn't being. Yeah. Rude. I wasn't being mean. We said hi to each other. Whatever. That's it. When we warmed up, I didn't sit by her. I kept my head exactly where I needed it to be so that I could compete. I could hit the numbers I needed to on the runway, and that there was there was no distraction by being friendly. There was no distraction by worrying about what was going on with the other person or what the other person needed. Right. Because especially at Apex, we're very supportive. We're right. we're a. Fa- right. I would say we're a family here. The bonds that I've made in this club that I did not experience that in gymnastics. I have not experienced that in any other, any other setting, not even the classroom. Um, and we're really supportive and we know when we see a problem with someone else, when I see with Amanda, Sydney, all the girls I've been training with for so long, I know what's wrong with them. I know what's wrong with Amanda in a meet when she's holding back or same thing. I see it, but there's a certain time when you have to pull yourself out of being that supportive friend and you need to kick it into competition gear. And and again, what I want to make clear for the people that are listening is, you know, these are people that are actually friends. They train together, but there's still that competitive aspect. You know, I recognize it as a coach and we, we openly talk about it. I literally have talked about the fact that at, at club practice, I go, look, you're number one right now. You actually need to help your club teammates beat you and when they beat you they have to help get you better i mean i i remember oh my goodness when owen jumped 14 you know um i had a a, an athlete uh, this year max schumann who he jumped 13 six indoors he was the group one state champion and um you know unfortunately his first dual meet outdoors at his high school um they didn't have him train for long jump, triple jump, or high jump, but decided right. to jump him in all three. After he got football. injured, after well, he got and, hurt. And so he got hurt, and so, you know, he had to sit out the rest of the year, yeah. you know, because he had stress fractures, and he literally had, like, one practice for his state sections. Right. And he still jumped 13, which is a credit to his athleticism, and I think it's also a credit to how we manage the variables and numbers at the club. Like, it's... Right. it's it's a science, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. we know the numbers, we're not guessing out here. So he jumped 13 and you know, he jumped 13 again at, at, at groups. So sectionals, he jumped 13 at groups. He jumped 13. And, and at that point he pretty much knew when he didn't make 13, six, that he probably wasn't going to meet a champs. Right. And he was already pretty emotional. And listen, I was at Owen Fogarty's house for a barbecue. Max was there. They're friends. Yes. When Owen cleared 14, first attempt, right in front of Max, I mean, he started crying. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. th- those are just facts. So this is the thing, like, please, you can be friends. I'm not saying you can't be friends, but let's not escape or let's not fool ourselves and tell us tell ourselves that there is not a competition every single time you step on that right. runway. And I'll tell you another thing. That pumps people up. You want people to get interested in a sport? We need to know that you guys are competing. Right. We need to know that there's something online. Right. I go, heck, Conor McGregor last summer and Floyd Mayweather, they really had us duped. We were really expecting a war. I mean, you thought those two guys hated each other. When they were doing those press conferences and promoting the fight. There was a lot of trash talking. Yeah, a lot of trash talking. You really thought those guys hated each other. And after the fight was done, which, I mean, look, Conor's not a boxer. Right. Floyd is arguably the best ever. 
they looked like they were best friends. I thought yeah. they were going to make out in the ring. No, it was all you marketing. Know? It was all yeah. a marketing right? scheme. But that's that's the thing. I think competition is real. Mm-hmm. Competition sells. And it's there regardless if people are openly talking about it. Right. I know even, uh, you know, this past weekend I was at a wedding uh, from one of my former athletes. And I, I told her, I go, regardless if your teammate at the time admits it or not, you are the big reason why she jumped a national record. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like competition is so important. And so, you know, again, I mean, I feel like we can have this podcast go forever. And this is probably going to end up being one of the shorter ones. We're only at like almost the 40 minute mark. But, but the thing is like, look, you have to train, you know, even when you have an injury, you have a weakness, you have to figure out a way to train to strengthen that part of your body so you can continue to train. And let's not forget about competition. Competition is important. Okay. You're going to be competing your whole life. Yeah. I mean, Lily. What are you majoring in when you go uh, go to college? Uh, I'm undecided, uh, but regardless, I thought you were doing my business. Well, I'm, go, I'm in business undecided, but okay. I don't know exactly what I want to okay. do yet. I like but, I like talking. I like working with people. I like too many things. I'm I don't know okay. yet. But let, let's put it this way: you're going to work in business. There's competition. Oh, absolutely. You're competing every day. People are day. sharks. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you know, it's like you can't think that everybody's going to be you know, My super friendly friend, yeah. and trying to help you out all the time. It's like, you're going to have to compete. No, yeah. And that's, that, that's just the reality. And look, I think here at the club and I don't, you know, I, I hope that no one mistakes this podcast. We're definitely friendly. Like, yeah. listen, I've helped so many people. People mm-hmm. have DM'd me. People ha- have called me. People have emailed me. I always answer people's questions. I'm trying to help out other people to start clubs and, and help their athletes. I love helping, but it is competitive. Like, well, yeah, it's competitive. Win. And then there's also you, there is a point where you need to be selfish if you want to be the best. Like, you can't right. constantly... Obviously, helping other people is so important. I think that, like, me this year, I coached a lot of kids at my school, and just watching jumps, I think, helped me a lot as a pole vaulter right. to know what was going on with my own jumps. I right. think it, it goes both ways, but I think there comes a point when you need to focus on yourself, you need to be selfish if, if you want to get better, if you want to keep improving, yeah. especially during competition. I think yeah. there's no one else that you should I, be worrying about except for except for yourself. I heard a story about Sergey Bubka, you know, for those of you who don't know, Sergey Bubka was the first guy to jump six meters, 198 and a quarter. He was also the first guy to break the 20 foot barrier and world record holder for many years before Renault broke it. Um, there's a Sergey Bubka story where he was jumping out of me and they were doing warm ups and he said something to a, another professional vaulter, like gave him a tip, like, mm-hmm. ah, jump up more or mm-hmm. something, you know. And then the vaulter came down and jumped again in warm ups and he turned to Bubka. He's like, how about, how was that? And Bubka like muttered something in <laughs> Russian and walked away. Cause it was like, bro, I'm not your coach. Yeah. I'm here to win today. Like yeah. I was just being friendly for a second, but like, yeah. don't get it messed up. I'm like I'm going. trying to yeah, beat you right yeah. now. Like mm-hmm. my, that's, that's over, you know? And look, that, that competition is important. Um, I, I feel like we could definitely go on another hour. If I, we know, keep talking about I know, competition, I know, but we I know. We got to start practice. But yeah, no, I um, mean, but, bottom line, it's like big difference between, rest and then a productive recovery. I think yeah. if, if you need rest, okay, take two days off, whatever, give your body a break, but then you need to come back and you need to do everything you can to strengthen whatever, whatever is wrong, whatever is weak. You need to do everything you can to compensate for what you can't do anymore. Yeah. And, and so I, I to end it, right? Like, yeah, make sure you're working on your weaknesses. I'm going to give a shout out to, to West side barbell. If, if you need advice, you know, check out Westside Barbell. They have a great website. They have a great mm-hmm. Instagram. They're constantly posting stuff about training. Elite FTS, 
by Dave Tate. He came from Westside Barbell. A plethora of information on Elite FTS. Yeah, no, uh, Dave Tate's videos are yeah. really, really informative. Really, really awesome stuff. Like, guys, there's information out there. Go get it. You know, because I think part of the problem in the pole vault community, too, is like we kind of are – I'm shocked at how many people don't know anything going on outside of pole vault. You know, and oh, it's like yeah. if, if you just step outside, like, look, I, I'm just going to be straight up. Like, I don't think I'm a strength and conditioning expert. I don't think – Anyone in the pole vault world is a strength and conditioning expert. We're pole vault experts. Yeah. So it's like you need to step out and look at what some of the best in the strength and conditioning world are doing and try to incorporate that for your pole vaulters. Right. You know, go go look, find that information, o- open up your mind and really start thinking about things. You know, I, I know here at the club, we always try to talk, talk about it. It's like if someone has a certain weakness in their vault, we need to then later address that by strengthening the muscle, muscle group. For example, Rob, you know, one of our guys, um, you know, his runway is just poor. And what I feel technically is very difficult for him is that front side mechanics, yeah. like getting mm-hmm. the knee up. Mm-hmm. And bingo, his leg lifts are terrible. Yep. So he he actually is going to have – he's starting right now with the first progression just doing knee ups. Yeah. He's doing – he's cranking out strict knee ups till he can do the parallel leg lift, till he can toe the touch the up. bar. You know, it's like <laughs> he's got to be able to do that. Otherwise, he's not going to yeah, run it's faster. Not gonna, it's not because gonna. the thing is he's already – Rob, you know, again, he just finished his junior year. He probably weighs like 140 pounds. He single leg squatted 245 pounds, you know, And he also came off of an injury. Yeah, yeah. This is another example of someone who, that he grinded through it. Right, He did everything he could to come back from it. He he tore his hip, uh, his labrum in his hip um, during soccer season. And, you know, once he had the surgery and he was given the clearance to go, we started working him, you know? And so he had a two, 445 pound single leg squat, but it's like, he still wasn't fast than running. Right. Already at that number, I knew he should have had more speed and, and it was really his hip flexor. So, so we're, to find so we're hitting that, yeah. you know, in fact, Hey, you want to knock me, <laughs> knock me on not figuring that out sooner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But don't knock me on trying to find exercises to get this kid stronger. Right. So, guys, open up your mind. Try to find ways to address your athlete's weaknesses, even technically. If there's some part of the vault that your kid is not good at, then you probably have to hit that up with something to strengthen the muscle group that is doing that part of the technique. Because you can't do something technically if you're not strong enough to or do drills. it. Or drills. You can't have yeah. a big day every day. Right. You know, you have to focus on the small stuff as well. I think that that, that lacks a lot in yeah. the pole vault. Uh, let's just jump all the time. Right. <laughs> Right. And um, Lily, do you need to promote anything? Do you do you have like an Instagram that you want to promote? I mean, I don't think I post enough pole vault okay. content on my yeah. Instagram okay. to promote I'm it. Just I mean, sure, it's a lot of girly you know. stuff if you want <laughs> if you're interested in that, like Um but yeah, you can follow us at the real Apex Vaulting on Instagram, um Apex Vaulting on Facebook, uh Apex Vaulting on Twitter. We also have a Snapchat, um and you know our website is just apexvaulting.com. Um just hit us up if you have any questions or anything comments, you know. Um uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys soon.